episode 8 of Bird's Eye Astrology Podcast. We are recording starting at 6.09 nice, p.m. Uh, on uh, July 20th, 2019 in New York, New York. Uh, this is going to be the August monthly forecast. I am your host, Arthur Lipanowitz. And I'm Margaret Keppel. And uh, we're going to walk you through the astrology of August. <sighs> but first, we should probably review, like, July so far. Well, what's happened with you in July? Well, I mean, July and June have really been what Austin Coppock has been talking about as the meat grinder, and what I've personally termed uh, the fog-filled labyrinth. And it's just been really intense. There's been a heat wave... Uh, in New York City, I think, Margaret, there's been a heat wave around you too, right? Yep, for the last week or so, it's been up in the 90s with 92% humidity. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 98 degrees today. The band or the temperature? <laughs> Wait, 98 <laughs> degrees? Oh my god, I knew 98 degrees was a reference to something. I was waiting. <laughs> I, it was a band. I had compl- Wait, 98 degrees? That's the name... It's like some boy band or something, right? Yeah, it was a boy band from like the late nineties. That was like never as popular as Backstreet Boys or Insane. True, but clearly they made an impression on me, otherwise I never would have remembered that. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so and I don't have air conditioner. God, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Our audio is going to sound a little weird, or my audio is going to sound a little weird today, because I have the fan going full blast at my face, and Kat has been really amazing about editing out the fan the past few episodes. Kat's our lovely and talented audio engineer, but like, it's going even harder today, so my voice might sound a little bit weirder than usual after editing. Yeah. Support us on Patreon, and we'll have more money to get me an air conditioner. <laughs> Please, it's a worthy cause. Yes. Patreon.com slash Birds Astrology. Anyway, so it's just been an intense month. I was scrambling around to find a place to move. That was, big, that was my big labyrinth, you know, was all this shit around trying to find a place to move. And now I'm like, and now my roommates are like, actually, you can stay another month. So that works out. I have to completely redo all of the plans I had been, I had made for how to figure this shit out and make new plans, which is doable. It's just I have to reorganize everything. Uh, you know what's funny is like. This heat wave has been a perfect, for July, has just been a perfect symbolic representation in a very literal way of the Mercury retrograde carrying the intensity of Mars in Leo through the month. Mm -hmm. It's just heat, 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 heat. 
Indeed. <laughs> I moved um, July 1st, and it is now the 20th, and we have yet to unpack anything, because <laughs> we just can't bear it. We unpack the kitchen and the bathroom and the bed. So the three, you know, essential locations in the home and everything else is just everywhere. And we just can't deal. <laughs> so. Isn't your partner a Pisces rising? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just Mine stop. too. And it's like lying there and not doing work is fun. It's wonderful. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. June and July have been rough astrology and we've been dealing with it. And August skies are much brighter. Yes. Bless. I'm so excited. I'm very excited, too. So last episode, we were in the thick of it and, like, dragging ourselves in front of the microphone um, by the scruff of our necks. <laughs> True. Yeah. So it was a shorter episode. So one of the things we didn't talk about was Venus and Leo, which happened uh, July 27th. The big characteristic of July in general is you've just got a bunch of planets moving through Leo. You've got Venus entering Leo on July 27th. Uh, Sun's going to be in Leo from... July 22nd, and Mars has been in Leo, and Mercury goes back into Leo on August 11th. Like, it needs to move, because all I've been doing is crying all the time, over nothing, mm -hmm. sometimes something, but mostly nothing, and Aww. tired of feels. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> it's better than the alternative of not having feels. That's fine. It's time to trade up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah like here let me tear out my tear ducts and mail them to you and you'll send me yeah, yours right. hooray <laughs> uh, anyway you've just got a whole bunch of planets Mercury, Venus, Mars uh, all traveling pretty close together for a lot of August and each of them goes into Virgo at some point in August. We'll get to that. And then they're all traveling pretty close together for a lot of September. But we'll get to that next month. The first couple, like the first like week and a half of August are not hugely eventful. So August 1st starts with the moon in Leo along with Venus, Sun, and Mars. I do want to talk a bit about Leo energy generally before we get into, like, the month. Sorry, yes. we're jumping around a bit. Mark, I want to hear your take on Leo as an archetype. Well, I mean, Leo is ruled by the sun. So when I think of Leo, I don't have anything in Leo except Chiron, so I have an interesting relationship with Leo. But um, it's basically just, like, the warm fuzzies of being yourself. And being yourself um, as much as is humanly possible to the point that it's performative, but it's not, which is why I have a hard time with Leo sometimes. But like the warm, gregarious, happy friends who are always on and are really like into it, but also like they are the light givers. 
you know, they are the sun. So if you're the sun for a little while, that's not the most celebrated thing on planet Earth sometimes. So it's very, so that's the celebration of self, the celebration of the ego and the light and the dark sides of that particular experience. That's what I've experienced with it. I mean, someone with Mercury and Leo might be very dramatic in their communicative abilities. Someone with the moon and Leo might have a very self-centric view of emotional things. So I feel this way. The shadow side of that is like, well, if I haven't experienced that experience, then it probably doesn't happen. Somebody actually said that to me once. I was like, oh, okay. I do feel like Leo can get into the self-centered point of view. I don't think that's what I don't think that's what Nate Leighton Leo is necessarily like. I think no. especially with the moon and Leo. Yeah. There's this very performative quality to Leo. Being the star, being in the spotlight. Absolutely. And a lot of where that comes from is the fundamental human need for attention. Yeah. Like, this is something that I, that I think about a lot and that we really sort of shame people for needing attention, especially shame women for needing attention. Mm-hmm. And it's that people need attention. Right. Especially children, which I often see Leo having to do with, in a chart, having to do with working with children. Or being involved with children somehow, which is kind of a house sign uh, conflation, but I see it show up all the time. Mm-hmm. I also see it very much like like Leo ruled by the sun has that you know that burning f- creative fire in the heart. So sometimes it's about the performance, and sometimes it's just about like that urge to create. Right. And the urge to create and the need to be seen are both big parts of Leo. And so often uh, that turns into performance, actors and actresses or like politicians, not Leos. Right. Being on all the time can be exhausting, but it's easier for people with a lot of Leo placements. It's more likely to be extroverted. It's more, but it's not just, but partly it's self centered and partly it's identity oriented. Right. There is this quality of Leo, which is about bringing out and expressing the authentic inner I, the authentic right. inner self. The celebration of self. Yeah, exactly. And yes, the flip side of that is ego. But very often, like especially with Leos, they're better at bringing out the bringing out that celebration of self in others than they necessarily are in themselves. Right. Like the stereotypical Leo is like the, you know, the musical theater actress. Right. You know. Probably performing in cats. <laughs> like the lion. Yeah, well, the lion symbolism can be very literal. I've noticed, like, people with strong Leo placements often have a very cat like face. Oh, yes, absolutely. And a strong love of cats. 
Not to be confused with the Virgoian love of cats. Virgo love, I mean, Virgo, Virgos love small things. Yeah. Virgos will love cats or dogs or guinea pigs and hamsters, you know. Right. Like, Virgos like pets in general, but also, mostly. Um, there is something about the the service connection there. Anyway, we'll get to Virgo. Leo is a fixed fire sign, so fixed fire is the hearth. It is the the fireplace. It warms up the room. But it can also be like the burning coal. Right. That just stays there and isn't actively consuming or generating. It's just staying there and burning. Mm-hmm. What I was talking about with this heat wave we're dealing with being by like an, a Mars in Leo that's just sort of spread out over this retrograde. Um, you've got the very hot, dry Mars and the very humid <laughs> fire sign ruled by the sun, Leo. Yeah. So it's just heat, 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 heat. And then you've got the, the Mercury and Cancer retrograde. I don't know, providing the humidity. That's what I've seemed to notice. I don't know how humid it is by you, but it's like swimming in the air. <laughs> it's been pretty humid, but it was humid before Mercury went into, before Mercury retrograded back into Cancer. Yeah. Heat feels hotter when it's more humid. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's been super fucking humid here, and I feel like that's because the planets are talking about what the subjective experience is. That's why we talk about things like retrograde. The planet's not actually moving backwards, and if you were looking from, like, outside of the solar system, but we experience our lives from a subjective perspective of life here on Earth, and from that perspective, the planet appears to move backwards during a retrograde. Right. So when we're talking about the astrology indicating a subjective experience of hot, 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 it's gonna be it's most likely gonna be super humid. In the places yeah. where unless it's in like a not generally humid area. Although I don't know. We should ask some of our friends from Arizona how they're doing down there. Yeah. <laughs> um that was a bit of a tangent. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's good that we talked about this just because this is what we're dealing with for a lot of August is all of this Leo. I do think I, I'm, I'm hoping the heat is not going to be as overwhelming once Mercury goes direct at the end of July, but we'll find out. One of the other things to note is that for a lot of August, Venus and Mars are combust. They're super close to the sun. Venus and the sun are just traveling together generally for like a lot of the month and even a lot of late July. And then I want to say around uh, the 9th or 10th, um, you've got Mars getting within combustion range of the sun, which just... Combustion is when a planet so close to the sun that it just sort of gets burnt up. 
<laughs> by the heat of the sun and can be very it it has a hard time functioning well right uh except for mars which just gets angrier and hotter and more grumpy and more <laughs> marsy so that's a lot of what we're dealing with with august and also yeah sitting around august 2nd mars enters the third decan of leo which he rules and he actually rules in both decan systems so he's even more of a strong mars and um it's just a very martial atmosphere for for a lot of the month, which makes me think, yeah, this heat wave isn't going anywhere, um, unless we do magic about it or something. Oh, <laughs> although, oh boy, meh, it's a thing. Yeah, I know. Um, there's talismans to make it rain. Very useful. I mean, it's been raining out here. I don't know about out by you. Oh, it has not. There's been like a day or two here and there where there's been rain, but that's it. Oh, fun fact about the rain out here is that it doesn't do anything. The temperature will get to maybe like 80 and then straight back up to 90 something as soon as it stops raining. Like every every time. <laughs> I love when it's raining and hot out, especially a thunderstorm. Oh, I love thunderstorms. I love a good summer thunderstorm where it's just hot enough to just go out in a like yeah. naked or in a swimsuit and just dance in the rain. Yeah, that's true. I have done that. It was very nice. It's very nice. Anyway, so Venus actually gets really close to this close enough to the sun too by some definitions be Cassini. Different people use different definitions for Kazemi. Uh, some people will say it's like within one degree. Some people will say it has to be within like 17 minutes. When a planet is Kazemi, it's so close to the sun that it's actually like born anew in the heart of the sun. Um, the etymology is a little dicey, but it's commonly thought to mean in the heart of the sun. Mm -hmm. Whether or not that's accurate etymology varies. But, um, uh, it's not some, but a lot of sources will say it's strengthened. It's also very, very invisible. So, like, if you're trying to, like, harness the energy of a Kazemi, of a very strong Kazemi planet, you can do great stuff with it, provided you don't need that stuff to be highly visible. Right. So, like, you could start writing a book on a Mercury Kazemi. And it could be the best book ever written, but almost nobody would ever. Anyway, we've got Venus getting, excuse me, within a degree of the sun around August 10th. The exact Kazemi is on the 14th. And then she gets more than a degree away on the 17th. But the big, the first big day, really, in the structure of August, the big event comes on the 11th. I don't know. I think we've got some listeners from Australia and whatever, which is wild. That's awesome. Hello, upside down people. Hello. <laughs> I like Australians. Everybody is super nice and super friendly and super upfront. It's like the only place I've ever been where people are both super nice and super direct. Right. Because everywhere I've been in North America, it's like you've either got people will be honest with you or people will be nice to you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Q 
can attest. Yeah. Yeah. And I live in New York City because I'd rather have people be honest. Yeah. I live in the Midwest because I grew up here. (laughs) (laughs) How young and reckless of you. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I would like to take this moment to announce, and you will have no idea why, but I would like to take this moment to announce to our listeners that one of the patron tiers, if you support us on Patreon, is access to bloopers. (laughs) And... There is so much shit you're not hearing from this recording. It's incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. There, we may have to put, we, I, I may ask uh, our audio engineer to put together a special blooper reel just for this episode. Lit. Anyway. Anyway. I was going to get to August 11th, but then I noticed something on my screen. So we've got a really cool little alignment um, on August 9th. Where you've got, uh, loosely speaking, you've got the moon in Sagittarius conjunct Jupiter, making a pretty nice aspect to the, the Sun-Venus conjunction, even though, it's, even though it's not exact. So there's all this nice little fire trine going on. And then even earlier, you've got like, I want to say around uh, August 6th. Yeah, around August 6th, you've got the Sun trying Jupiter, which is going to be really nice, even though Jupiter's still retrograde, although not for long. Um, Jupiter's actually stationing at, at start, starting to station at that point. And then Venus trying Jupiter on the 8th. And then on the 11th, you've got Jupiter stationing direct, and Uranus stationing retrograde, like, on the same day, depending on your time zone. It's like 13 hours apart, something like that. That's an interesting tandem of energies. What do you think? What's something random you think will come of that? Oh, my God. Well, it's also um, the Mercury goes back into Leo that same day, like in between the two stations. Oh, boy. Okay. So that will be a day. (laughs) It will be a day. Um, Well, Uranus stations tend to be like bring a lot of disruption. Oh, yeah. Which is, that's like fucking cliche to say, but it's like Uranus disruption tends to be very specifically like massive sudden changes, like the rug pulled out from under you kind of stuff. Uh, not necessarily in a negative way, but, you know, and it doesn't, whether it's stationing direct or retrograde, either way. So for like half a week to a week on either side of the station, for you and Neptune and Pluto, you've got all of these like reverberations going out. I feel like Uranus's reverberations are a little less wide than Neptune and Pluto. So let's say like three and a half days on either side. It's this very sort of not the Mercury retrograde style mishap, but almost like a expect the unexpected kind of thing and don't try to predict what'll happen. Just right. sudden random shit changing. Uh, Jupiter stationing direct is going to be really good. Yes, I'm be excited. Well, Jupiter is, it's been really hard to use Jupiter for any sort of magic while he's retrograde. Like, I know someone who's got a zillion planets retrograde in Italy, and she's been doing fine, doing, like, petitions to Jupiter and stuff. Like, oh, mighty Lord Jupiter, you're great for this reason, you're great for this, that other reason, you're also great for this reason, please give me shit, thank you so much. (laughs) You know, your basic magical petition. 
Although it helps to use the great names in the right book. And as I said that, my brain decided to wander off into a field <laughs> with lilac. Okay, we're keeping that one in. It's dummy hot right here. Yeah, man, I I feel you. <laughs> it is okay. I have been missing so many brain cells this month. It's been terrible. Like I was uh I was hanging out with two people and uh one of them was trans and the other one was cis. And I got the trans person's pronouns right, but I got the cis person's pronouns wrong. But it wasn't he or she, it was I or you. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. My, my poor, poor brain during this Mercury retrograde. Uh, I need my brain. I don't. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't do this. <laughs> Why? Why do you not brain? <laughs> Wherefore dost thou not my brain? It just makes me think of Pillow Talk by Lil Dicky. I have no idea what that song is. Oh, well, I think it's pretty funny. Moving on. <laughs> um... <laughs> We have way too much fun, folks. Hopefully you also have fun, but we have, like, a lot of fun. We, yes. <laughs> we had so much fun recording this. I, did we mention at the start that Nate is going to be, like, on an indefinite hiatus? We did not mention that. I had that okay. thought, like, two minutes ago, but we were knee-deep in Leo. We were knee-deep in, yes, or um, stomach-deep in Leo. <laughs> uh, no, Virgo is stomach. Uh, Leo is... Heart, heart deep in Leo. And the upper back. Yeah, Nate has been uh, working on a lot of different personal projects lately. Which He's are awesome. Just check out his social media. Yeah, his social media. Is, it's, it, there was some like big Neptune performance art thing he did in New York City recently. It was pretty great. That's awesome. Anyway. But it's just going to be me and Margaret for a little while. Yo. Although we're we're thinking about bringing guest stars in at various points, that'd be sweet. It would be pretty sweet, you know, as long as long as it doesn't cause too many arguments. <laughs> 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 yes. Anyway, what were we in the middle of? The day the planets, both planets, station. Um, yeah, Jupiter stationing direct is, is like this big sudden burst of like good, good Jupiter shit. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, Jupiter! Fun! Shit going well! Things possibly exploding, but like in an impressive way. Sweet. Sign me up. <laughs> Everything has been so fucking like shitty lately in terms of the overall space weather and the news and everything, like, I'm sure not everything that explodes in overjoyous bounty will be good. Right. On August 11th, anything around 14 degrees of immutable sign, I want to say, especially if it's like, 
maybe around 9 to 19, more likely around 11 to 17. You know, give it a nice tight 3 degree orb. Uh, so that's gonna be good. And, um, I had a client recently who had the ascendant right at that degree, and I'm like, oh, you're gonna have such a good time. What fun! Right? Um, so that's gonna be, I mean, the moon's gonna be in Capricorn that day, so there's not so... Festive! <laughs> it's not the most festive moon, especially with it running up against the boneyard. Yeah. For the new folks, the boneyard is what I've been calling the pileup in Capricorn of Saturn, South Node, and Pluto. Gotta mention it every time. Gotta mention it. Uh, but it's also interesting that this is happening right around the same time Mercury goes back into Leo. Because this is when Mercury is really starting to pick up speed. Uh, just because he's get he's starting to get out of his retrograde shadow. Their retrograde shadow. So yeah, by the time by the time it's the fourteenth, they're going like getting close to like almost two degrees a day as they leave their shadow. Although I think that's gonna vary, but now yeah, that's gonna be on the fourteenth for most of the United States. Um, uh, no, I guess even as far as England, the leaving the shadow will be the fourteenth. Anyway, Leo's not. Mercury's favorite sign. Uh, it's not the worst place for it, uh, but it's just going to be really good to have a Mercury that's going full clip now. Right. Oh, and there's the full moon. This is an interesting one, actually. The full moon on August 15th is going to be at 22 degrees of Aquarius. Uh, it'll take place around 8.29 a.m. Uh, in New York City time. And what's really interesting about this full moon is that Venus is still Kazemi at this point. Um, like the exact Venus, like the exact Venus Kazemi was the day before. So Venus is still super close to this, uh, sun. So you've got a very, very strong Venusian, you know, party, sensuality, sex, fun, flavor, pleasure, beauty joy uh kind of vibe uh so that's uh people are going to be going up on a wednesday the night before right it's pretty closely configured to mars you know <laughs> the moon's at 22 aquarius the sun and venus are at 22 leo but mars is at 28 that's pretty pretty close um and that's where the moon is heading right after it passes the sun and venus like its next aspect is the opposition to mars and moon opposite mars is a Blech. oh my yeah. god Blech. a moon opposite mars is an argument and fight aspect that is a conflict butting heads angry mad face kind of uh configuration it's like emotional it's emotionally charged as opposed to like mercury mars where you're charged up to communicate but this is like bringing your feelings into it yeah so it's it's not the same kind of like mercury argumentative thing it's like feelings hurter <laughs> 
Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Moon opposite Mars, I find I, I have a tendency to like pick fights on the internet I don't actually care about, and I'm wrong every time, uh, which is very unfortunate. But it's interesting coming straight off this extremely Venusian full moon, where it's like, you know, the Wednesday night of the 14th, it's like, hey, we're fun, we're party, we're feeling good, we're feeling nice, we're having an unexpected amount of casual sex for a Wednesday, and then the next day, it's like, ah! Yo! <laughs> and then it's like, just kidding. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. Oh, God, I, oh, get out, out, ugh. You know, kind of morning. <laughs> I think we've all had those kinds of mornings. <laughs> Maybe not all Excellent. of us. Mm. But if you do, you know. If you know, you know. You know, you know. And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We're a loopy tonight. Holy shit. It's this damn retrograde, I swear to God. It's the retrograde. It's the moon and Pisces square Jupiter we chose for this election. Sweet. Sad driving. Anyway. So we have, well, we have the 11th, and then all that stuff happens. Yeah, all that stuff happens, and then the full moon on the 15th, um... And then not too long after that, you have Mars entering Virgo on August 18th, which is a very different kind of Mars. Before we get into Mars and Virgo, actually, um, a brief aside about uh, Void of Course Moons. Um, so one of the things they say about Void of Course Moons... Uh, is that when the moon is void, of course, any purchases you make will be unnecessary or will go unused is the thing I hear the most often. Okay. I find that just as often the purchases, even if you do use them, you end up regretting them or they're not very useful. Like there's something that goes wrong somehow. Right. The other night I got home from work. The moon was void, of course. It was going to be a void, of course, until the morning. And I found out the water wasn't on. Oh. I had no running water in my apartment. The landlord had shut it off intentionally to do some maintenance thing. And it was like, yeah, it'll be back by the morning. And so I'm like, how do I flush my toilet? And so I'm like, and, and my roommate's freaking out. I'm like, what are we, well, I'm freaking out more than my roommate. And I was like, I'm like, okay, watch this. I go to the store. I buy a massive thing of spring water. Just like one of those like big fucking things that you take camping and shit. Yeah, big jugs. Well, it was bigger than the jug. It was like oh, like several gallons or whatever. Okay. I lug the thing all the way back to my apartment. I walk in the door and my roommate's like, hey, guess what? The water's back on. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it worked. I did that intentionally because I knew if I bought that water, I would end up not needing it because <laughs> the moon was void, of course. And so I used the void, of course, energy to get the water back on. You really got them. That's, that's nice work. <laughs> yeah. 
So now I have all the spring water. Mars in Virgo. I don't even... It's, it's an unusual Mars. Because it's sort of a... It's not the easiest place for Mars. It's kind of a neutral sort of uh I I guess that's working out kind of maybe kind of Mars. It's the warrior for the details. You know, it's very passionate and fiery and excited about the spreadsheets. About the organizing, about the the I'm going to quote uh so all of this is information he's talked about publicly, so I'm not outing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Robert Bailey, who's an Australian astrologer, who is one of my go-tos when I need a horror reading and I'm too emotionally worked up to do it for myself. Yeah. Um, he's an Aries rising, which is more common in, the, in Australia than the U.S., um, that's a whole other topic um, with with a Mars and Virgo so like and he was and I was listening to him talk about um, on my on my friend's podcast uh, um, my friend's pod, podcast uh, Nate Craddock another astrologer has this podcast Jill Breaking the Sacred which you should go check out and Rob was on that and talking about how he learned how to hand draw charts Oh, cool. With because he didn't know there was computer software that could do it, and he started he started studying astrology from the ancient from like the traditional material. Wow! And like taught himself from that. So like that is Mars and Virgo. It is passionately driven towards tiny, focused, detail work. But can be like any Virgo thing, missing a lot of the stuff around it. I love Rob. Uh, OldSchoolAstro.com uh, is his thing. He's great. If you're interested, uh, I don't think, it, it, yeah, I don't do, I, I do horary stuff uh, on my website, um, just, mostly as a, just mostly as an option for more regular clients. It's not my area of expertise. Uh, but it is absolutely his, and uh, either him or uh, Nate Craddock are great horary astrologers. I'd recommend either of them any day. Anyway, um, yeah, that sort of I am intensely focused and passionately driven towards this tiny, obscure topic and completely missing that, oh, there's Solar Fire and Astro.com and all of this <laughs> other stuff, you know. Right. I hope you don't mind me poking at you a little. Well, yeah. Uh, so, it is this interesting sort of, you know, it's working out by cleaning the apartment. It's fighting hard for the specific, you know, like there's very, and the little people, you know, like, like you'll find Mars and Virgo often with uh, pas- people who are passionate about animal rights. Um, although there's a lot of other placements I can do for that. Um, but more importantly for me sitting here with my voice sounding weird because our uh, lovely and talented audio and 
probably overworked this episode. Audio engineer is having to edit out the sound of the friggin' fan the entire time. <laughs> uh, it'll be a little less heat in the atmosphere. And that'll be a welcome relief. <laughs> Do you have thoughts on Margus and Virgo, Margaret? Mars and Virgo. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with Virgo energy personally and like everybody I know. Um, but not as such with Mars there. Um, what comes to mind immediately is one of those people where you're like, oh man, I didn't really sleep very good last night. And they're like, well, what are you eating? Have you thought about changing your diet? <laughs> Several people I've interacted with who are immediately like, let me fix all your health problems. We're Mars and Virgo types. <laughs> and they're into it. They want they want to help you like today. Like, here, let me, let's sit down and tell me everything you ate in the last 72 hours. And, oh, you're doing that? Have you considered doing this? And like, aggressively helpful. <laughs> it can also be, and I'm just remembering like some like my one of my Mars and Virgo friends who I get into arguments with a lot. Um, it's about it's, there's a lot of fighting over the details. Yeah. Like like well, you know, you know on September 3rd, 1985, you said this. So clearly the point you're trying to make now is ridiculous. No, 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 that was September 2nd, 1983. <laughs> you have it wrong. Clearly you and don't remember matters. that. If you don't remember that, how can I rely on you for this? I have a lot of Virgo energy in my life. (laughs) I I can Mm -hmm. act it out. (laughs) But it's very, it's very, um, it's not like a trolley thing. No, Virgo is genuine servitude. Like, let me be of assistance to you, please. And genuine belief that the minor little details are what is super, super important. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, it can be. Depending on what you need in your life at the time. There's a balance that needs to be struck between looking at the big picture and looking at the details. And that is the Mercury-Jupiter opposition. Right. You know, that is Pisces-Virgo-Gemini-Sag. That is, you know, the, the big picture and the small picture balance. Anyway. Um... So we have so the so anybody who's got like big stuff in Aries or Scorpio is going to be feeling a lot more of this Mars and Virgo energy starting around August eighteenth. Uh, also, anybody who's in a Mars perfection year, and we talked about perfections on a previous episode. Um, that's a great technique which I love. And then on August twenty first. Venus goes into Virgo, and Venus is not happy in Virgo. No, not happy. Virgo is critical, and that's not a, an inherently bad thing, because the focus on the details tends to show all of the bits that are wrong and not working, and that is extremely useful, and people need that. There is a tendency to over-criticize oneself, and sometimes others, 
Um, but that tendency to be so focused on the details and the little things that could be made better um, makes it very hard for Venus to do her thing in Virgo. Venus wants to chill out, wants to relax, wants to, you know, look in the mirror and just love how hot she is. <laughs> and uh, that's Virgo doesn't give a lot of good space for that, for the chilling, the relaxing, or the letting things be nice and beautiful and having that be okay. Right. Um, which is not to say that Venus is doomed in Virgo, just that, you know, it takes some extra work to get there. It is a phenomenal, I mean, natally speaking, Venus in Virgo is phenomenal for uh, polyamory or non-monogamous relationships because that is a style of relationship that requires uh, your romantic partnerships to be full of uh, concrete, detail-focused communication. Uh, the polyamory community is constantly joking about how it's not how how uh, polyamory as we know it would end if it weren't for Google Calendar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Venus and Virgo is great for that. Like. It's really good for, like, detail-focused conversations around relationships, but that's not, like, fun, happy time, necessarily. Right. So the other thing is once Venus gets into Virgo, she's getting real close to Mars. The past few Venus-Mars conjunctions um, have been in Virgo, I think, uh, which has been interesting. Um I there's there's probably a very specific mathematical reason for that, which I don't know. Anyway, uh, that I want to say is exact on that Venus Mars conjunction is exact uh, on August twenty fourth, um, and that's going to be an interesting time. Like Venus Mars, and I, I mean th there's still. Even as soon as, like, I don't know, the 17th or 18th, you're going to start feeling that Venus-Mars conjunction approach. And it's it's big, horny energy, you know? <laughs> like, I know I'm the sex guy. I'm the guy who talks about sex. But, like, Venus-Mars conjunction specifically is a very sexual energy. Right. You'll find... I find that people with... Uh, Venus-Mars conjunctions in their chart are constantly giving off an extremely sexual vibe all the time to everyone around them. Yeah, absolutely. Even when they try hard not to. I, I find it very um, prominent in uh, basically most of the chart. Most of my friends who post half-naked or entirely naked pics on Instagram on a regular basis have a Venus-Mars conjunction. Solid. Like, it's, it's, there's a, and, which doesn't actually mean they're interested in having sex with anyone. Right. Especially the ones who have it in Virgo. Like, they're not interested in you. They just want to, it's just this energy that they're putting out there. Mm -hmm. Virgo is one of the better signs at, um, boundaries, uh, or can be. If it's, can be. If, if it's, yeah. 
It can go either way. Virgo can go in the direction. Of Virgo, that's, Virgo knows what it wants and what it doesn't want and can, is generally speaking, and can be very clear about that. Uh, I experienced it differently just because the opposition to Virgo is Pisces. And sometimes the desire to help can overload like personal boundaries. Yeah. So you, you might know like in your head, like, yeah, I, I can only give this much of myself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then in the moment, you're just like, no, I'll help you. I'll help you. Oh, I, ha- I had an appointment today at the spa, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll reschedule. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Virgo knows what its boundaries are. Actually standing up for them is another matter. Yeah, ac- absolutely. That's a good way of putting it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so with, with this Venus-Mars conjunction, like, big horny energy in the air just be prepared for that not going to affect everyone like especially my friends on the ace spectrum will probably just i don't know get really passionate about their work projects maybe yeah great time to get really passionate about creative projects too you know if you're not like the sexual type and then the sun joins them in virgo like pretty soon after that on the 23rd and so now there's all of this stuff in Virgo, which is a pretty diff, pretty big tonal shift, cooling things down, getting ready for fall, fall in the northern hemisphere at least. Right. Um, yeah. So all this stuff in Virgo, I think we've described the energy of Virgo very pretty well. So that's going to be a notable tonal shift. And also, while all of this stuff is in early Virgo, it's going to be trining Uranus. So especially up until, like, the first thing to hit Uranus is going to be Venus, actually, after she passes Mars uh, on the 26th. Um, So that is going to... I'm picturing all this stuff in Virgo trining Uranus as sort of like uh, an Adderall binge. Ah. Like... You're very, very, very focused on some very specific thing that you probably shouldn't be focused on because you were supposed to be getting work done, and then you stay up all night focusing on it. Mm -hmm. And then you jump all over the place to, like, a bunch of different things. And, like, the, yeah, between, like, 23rd and the 26th, there's going to be probably a little bit on either side, too, a lot of that energy around. The last thing to join the other planets in Virgo is Mercury. Who enters Virgo on the 29th and actually likes being in Virgo? Yes. Uh, Mercury loves doing that small detail organization thing and excels at it. Unfortunately, it's not really going to work too well to um, use Mercury in Virgo. There's no good Mercury elections this year. There just aren't. Cause, yeah, cause all the, I forget what was going on with Gemini. Um, but uh, Mer- Mercury in Virgo is either combust or too tightly configured to Mars or Venus in detriment to actually be of much use for like magically working with Mercury here in Virgo, unfortunately. And then the moon enters Virgo. Oh, good grief. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, 
it's not a bad. I mean, if you've got to get some important, like, look, I am moving at the end of the at the end of August now, or maybe September first. Don't know yet. I would much rather do the work of moving on a pile up in Virgo. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you got if you got something to do, it's like okay, this box needs to go there. We're going to do this. We're going to yeah, no, like it's a great month to move at the end of. <laughs> Or, you know, like the end of the month is like, okay, this big, important organizing project, we're going to do all of it right now. You know. Yeah. Uh, and let me pull up the chart for the new moon. We are eventually going to have to get video for the people when we're fancy and shit. All right. It ha- the new moon in Virgo is at 6.36 a.m. in New York time on August 30th. It is at 6 degrees of uh, Virgo. It is like a- exactly one degree away from Mars. It is a couple degrees away from Mercury. It is like and Venus. five degrees away from Venus. And it is partile trine Uranus. How would you say this chain of conjunctions in Virgo is going to affect the boneyard? Or project the energy of the boneyard? Because it's a pretty heavy earth trine. I mean, yeah, you've got... Well, the closest part of the boneyard to all of this is Saturn, which is at 14 degrees of cap. So that's a pretty fair distance from the moon from the new moon in particular uh everything going through virgo is gonna have to try in the boneyard at some point but because it's a trine it's not gonna be it's not i don't think it's gonna be negative i in fact think it's going to be pretty darn good for um dealing with a lot of the dark heavy energy one of the things that i've noticed about this time just in a political sense, is there's a lot of fatalism and there's a lot of not feeling like we don't know what to do. And say what you will about Virgo, like, there's there's some issues with Virgo, um, there's some great things about Virgo, and one of the great things about Virgo is that it's very, it's very good energy for coming up with a plan. I do feel like it's hard to talk about Virgo energy without sounding like we're criticizing it. Right. Because Virgo is the energy of critique. <laughs> As its nature, yeah. Yeah. Like, it is the ener- it's the energy of critique. Same way it's hard to talk about, like, Jupiter energy without telling jokes and laughing. Right. One of the things Virgo is really great at, and Earth signs in general, but especially Virgo and Capricorn, is coming up with a really solid plan. So I feel like what all all this pileup in Virgo is going to do is going to make it really much easier to figure out how do we deal with these dark times we live in. Right. You know, and it's go like any sort of political work you want to do do the planning around this new moon at the end of August or maybe not necessarily political work although it's a great time for that but whatever sort of long term ongoing 
uh, frustration and big difficult things you've been dealing with, you can get a lot of great work done towards the end of the month, you know. It's like, especially once both Mars and Venus are in Virgo. Because then you're really gonna, there's really gonna be a lot of that energy to work with. But there's that, there's, yeah, this means, I do feel good about this. Um, the degree is a little difficult, but I'm not sure that's the most important thing here. I mean, it's, it's intense, but it's extremely productive. Right. I feel like we're all kind of restless for that. <laughs> you know, like, can I get stuff done now? Because that's how I feel. <laughs> that energy you're talking about sounds like probably when we're going to get around to unpacking all of our stuff. So That's what I was thinking, yeah. So I think we're all kind of itching for, I need to do stuff now. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to get it done. The trying to Uranus with this new moon, I think, is going to be that sort of burst, that influx of energy to actually act on all of these plans. Right. And on that note, that's August. Hooray! There's, there's hope on the horizon, folks. <laughs> there's hope on the horizon. Just just hang on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Our audio engineer is going to be out of town for a bit right after we finish recording this. So the episode may be uh, a little delayed. Maybe a little delayed. Maybe cl- coming out closer a couple days into August. Although we'll try to get it out as soon as we can. All right. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Bird's Eye Astro on Twitter, at Bird's Eye Astrology on Instagram, which uh, Nate was handling. We don't actually too much with Instagram, but uh, no. we are still figuring out how to set up the website. In the meantime, you can email us uh, birdseyeastrology at gmail.com patreon.com slash birdseyeastrology if you want to help support the show. Uh, I am personally on Twitter more than any other social media platform at lip and bone. I am on Instagram at readings by Arthur. You can find my website i created a special link for it uh to book through uh bit.ly slash a l b r e a d or a l b read or you can support me on patreon at patreon.com slash arthur lipbonowitz that is patreon.com slash a r t h u r l i p p b o n e w i t s margaret where can folks find you yeah, as far as I go, um, I'm fairly active on Twitter. That's at madmarg underscore, so M-A-D-M-A-R-G underscore. Um, I am also at that handle on Instagram, my personal Instagram. Um, my business Instagram is Skyroots Astrology, all one word. And I'm more of a Facebook ranter, so you can go ahead and find my personal Facebook and add me as a friend if you'd like to see more astrologically themed rants. <laughs> Please do not add me on Facebook if you happen to find me. <laughs> you can follow my profile, but I do not accept friends requests and strangers. Give those to Margaret. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's a wrap. Until, Until next, next time. time. Oh, jinx. <laughs>